Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Stay tuned. If you work in a finance, accounting, purchasing, or accounts payable department of a U.S. agency or entity and are responsible for setting up vendors in your accounting system or ERP, then this podcast episode is for you. The information will keep you compliant with regulatory agencies and also ensure that you are validating that the vendor is real and that the data is not fraudulent prior to adding the vendor to the vendor master file. And that's what we want folks, real vendors. Welcome to episode 23, U.S. Entity, Validations Required to Set Up a Non-U.S. Vendor. And I talked about this episode last week with episode 22, U.S. Entity, Validations Required to Set Up a U.S. Vendor. And I talked about how this week we're going to talk about foreign vendors. And let's go ahead and jump into those because non-U.S. vendors we know can be overwhelming because the validations are different. It can be more complex. Um, the W-8 form, there are multiple or different versions of that W-8 form, and that's confusing to the vendors, let alone to some of our uh, teams who have to uh, process those vendor requests. Um, Further, other stakeholder groups may be involved with uh, non-U.S. vendor setups because they may be required to file taxes such as VAT or GST. So we may have to collect more information or they may be involved in due diligence surrounding anti-bribery efforts. So ensure you verify with the applicable teams what they require so the needed information is captured at the time of vendor setup. And so that's what we're going to try to um, talk, uh, talk about today. I will say that I am not an expert at the IRS W-8, so we won't touch on verifying which is the correct form for each of the vendors to use. We'll just talk about the validations. Okay, so let's start first with the basic requirements, and that is the vendor legal name and tax ID validated against the Internal Revenue Service IRS records. And this is the same as with uh, U.S. vendors, and the reason you want to validate is you want to confirm that the vendor is registered with the IRS and that the vendor is real and not fraudulent. Um, And again, I talked about not being an expert in determining which W-8 is applicable for a vendor to submit. Um, One piece of advice I will give you is if the team, you or your team are not uh, experts in determining which 
W-8 should be submitted or whether or not backup withholding needs to be done for that particular vendor, seek assistance with a designated tax professional to determine one, if the applicable W-8 form submitted is correct, and then two, whether that foreign vendor or non-U.S. vendor is subject to backup withholding. And I will say at um, a couple of companies that I've been at, we've always had an additional tax person review the W-8s so we can make sure that we were giving that vendor the proper treatment and withholding where necessary. Now, how to validate. Um, It is free on irs.gov through the e-services, but you do have to register. That registration can take about three weeks, so make sure you do this ahead of time um, and know that when you register, you will have to give some personal information. I believe they still ask, the IRS still asks for your AGI from your previous year's tax filing, so you'll have to give that or you can utilize 10check.com and I'm not affiliated with 10check.com at all but I do use the service and it is a subscription service so it's paid Um, but the price is actually very reasonable for what they give and they do quite a few validations and I'll talk about that as we go further um, in our validations here but so again you can do free on the IRS or you can do paid on 10check.com. One thing I do want to point out here is in certain scenarios, the IRS may require that for foreign individuals that their birth uh, date is collected. If that is required, make sure you treat that birth date as confidential information because it is personally identifiable uh, information. So it is sensitive data. Now, in addition to the IRS tax registration numbers. There are some other tax registration numbers that are applicable or can be applicable for non-U.S. vendors. The first one is the vendor value added tax or VAT tax number. And the reason you want to validate it is because VAT is an international country level sales tax that your company's tax team may need to use to reclaim VAT that is added to invoices paid. So you want to make sure you capture the VAT number and that you verify that the VAT number is valid. And the required document for that is just on the invoice or you can request it from the vendor and you can validate it for free on the European Commission tool and I won't um, I have the link here and I will uh, include in the show notes a link to download my vendor validation reference list that will include all of the resources and their applicable links that we talk about today in this episode. So there are additional tax number validations that may be applicable, again, depending on the country. And again, the reason to validate it is that even though accounts payable may not use those tax numbers, the tax team may need to track for required tax filings. And you can, again, get these numbers either from the invoice or request it from the vendor. And one of the big ones, especially, I think it was in 2017, where the uh, goods and services tax uh, number for India changed and 
and number was issued for every state, which was a big deal back then because we weren't necessarily collecting or updating the vendor record with these GST numbers uh, in all cases. And having to now add multiple GST numbers based on the state posed uh, an issue. So we got through that, but in any event, that uh, GST number, you can validate for free on the government of Mahastra. I never pronounce that correctly, the Department of Goods and Services tax website. And again, I will have that link included on my downloadable reference. So the next tax numbers are for uh, vendors that are in Canada. And one is the goods and services tax, and the other is the harmonized sales tax. And you can validate both on the Government of Canada website for free. And the other one with Canada is the business number or BN. And if you are a government, you are required to collect this number from your Canadian vendors. And that number can be validated on the Canada Revenue Agency website or CRA. Okay, so moving past the tax registration numbers, we will move into OFAC, which is the same as our U.S. vendor setups. That validation of the legal name, ensuring that it does not appear on the special designated nationals list from the Office of Foreign Assets Control or OFAC. And again, vendors that appear on this list should not be set up in your vendor master file. If there is a vendor match, notify your leadership for further action. Compliance with OFAC regulations is required for all U.S. individuals and entities. And failure to comply can result in both civil and criminal penalties. And those uh, civil and criminal penalties are much higher than what the IRS can charge if um, the legal name and tax ID are not a match and you set that vendor up and you have to file taxes or you have to send them 1042s. The OFAC uh, civil and criminal penalties are much higher. So you really want to make sure that you do this uh, validation and you want to use the IRS WA and take the legal name from there. It is free on the U.S. Treasury website. It is also part of the validations that are done with TenCheck if you uh, sign up for a subscription plan. All right. And the last basic requirement is the vendor address validated against the International Universal Postal Union, which is the equivalent of the U.S. Postal Service and Google Earth. Again, the reason you want to validate, you want to confirm that your vendors are not fraudulent, attempting to use addresses that do not exist. It also reduces the potential that uh, distributed 1042s or other correspondence will not be returned, causing rework for the team. I'm not quite sure if any of you out there are sending checks internationally, but if you are, then it again reduces the potential for those checks to come back. And the required documents, you can get the addresses from the IRS W-8 or an invoice if they have a remit address that is different or a fully executed contract. And how to validate, it is free on the Universal Postal Union website and also Google Earth 
earth if you would like to check and just make sure that it's not an empty parking lot. And that's probably something that can be done if, you know, you try to do the validation on a universal postal union or for U.S. if you try to do it on U.S. Postal Service and it doesn't show up, Google Earth is a good alternative to just kind of see what's going on in that space. And if you put it in there and it is a parking lot, then you know exactly what's going on. So that's it for the basic requirements. And just to recap, that is the vendor legal name and tax ID validated against the Internal Revenue Service. That is the vendor value added tax or VAT against the VAT Information Exchange System or VIS. We did have some additional tax number validations with the business number and GST or HST in Canada as well as the GST number in India. And then lastly, we had the vendor legal name against specially designated nationals list or OFAC and the vendor address validation. So next we want to talk about additional requirements. And the additional requirements um, for non-U.S. vendors would be if the payment method is ACH or wire, and then also if you are a government agency or entity, or if you are a healthcare organization. The additional requirements if the payment method is ACH or wire. And I will tell you that the whole banking requirements, because it is based on the country, it can be confusing. And it's not just the requirements of each country and what the bank file needs to look like. It's the actual accounting system or ERP because those systems need to be configured in such a way that the pay file for that particular country needs to be configured in a specific way. And a great example of that is, I believe it's the country Jordan that has 30 characters for an IBAN. And if you have an accounting system or ERP system that cannot hold 30 characters in the IBAN field, then you're going to place that overload into another field. And then your IT folks are going to configure the system to pull both fields so that together they equal the 30 characters on the pay file that is sent to the bank. So when you get that together with other countries that may have other specific requirements that you now have to customize within your ERPs, it can get to be very overwhelming. So banking is a big piece of the international vendor setup process that can become overwhelming and just a lot to remember. So I'm saying all this to say, make sure you not only validate, but you also document the correct way to enter in non-US banking details in your accounting system or ERP. 
Okay, so now that we're done with that, let's talk about the additional requirements if the payment method is ACH or wire for non-US vendors. So let's first talk about the Vendor International Bank Account Number or the IBAN. And the reason you wanna validate this is you wanna ensure that, right, international ACH or wire payments are processed successfully. The IBAN is required for all bank accounts in the EU countries plus Norway, Switzerland, Liechtenstein, and Hungary. And the IBAN itself is made up of a code that identifies the country the account belongs to, the account holder's bank, and also the account number itself. Now, there really is no uh, standardized way to validate the IBAN. I suggest that you collect that information on the vendor letterhead, bank letter, or company branded setup form, and that you have it verified with the vendor's bank or require the vendor bank letter. You can also um, utilize IBAN validations that are included with some of the third parties paid subscriptions plans. I think Acuity has one called TGBR, but there may be others out there. I just wanna caution against plugging the IBAN into some of the free tools that you can Google. Um, we've done that or I've done that in the past and I've put the same IBAN into two different tools, um, got two different results. So not all of those tools are always uh, up to date. And so I just want to caution against using those free tools on Google. Make sure you have another way to validate either with a vendor's bank letter or perhaps with a paid tool. Now, for countries that do not use IBAN um, and those vendors are looking for a ACH or wire payment method, then you'll want to verify or validate their international business identifier code or BIC or the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication Code or SWIFT. So, I didn't know what that stood for, just so you know. So don't feel bad if you didn't know. So you wanna check the BIC code or the SWIFT code. And if a vendor does not have an IBAN, they'll have one of those. And again, the reason you wanna validate is to ensure that the payments are successfully processed. Countries that do not require that IBAN, again, will have a BIC code or SWIFT code along with a bank account number. And the required document, you wanna collect either the banking information and vendor letterhead, bank letter, or company branded banking setup form. And I do wanna mention here that a lot of, not so much US vendors, but a lot of international vendors will include their bank account number on their invoices. And so if you have a valid invoice, you can use that as the support for their bank account number when, they're, when they are initially setting that vendor up as a new ad. But for future, if they need to make changes to that bank account, um, I suggest having a branded banking setup form so you can force the requirement to provide the existing banking details as a form of authentication so you know you're not making a fraudulent payment.
and then how to validate online big and swift tools that can be used. They are located at swift.com. And again, I will have that link in the um, show notes to download my vendor validation reference list. It will be included on there. And the next one is OFAC. And just like US vendors, if the vendor is uh, looking for electronic payment, then you have to validate the bank name against the specially designated nationals list from the Office of Foreign Assets or OFAC. And the reason you wanna validate banks that appear on this list, again, should not be set up in your vendor master file. If you do set them up, um, you could face criminal and civil penalties. So you don't want to do that. If there is a match, notify your leadership. Do not set that bank up for payment in your system. Again, you want to use the vendor letterhead, bank letter, company branded, banking setup form, whatever you use to get the banking details, you can get the bank name from that document. And then you can validate on the treasury website or with uh, 10check.com. Okay, so that was the additional requirement. If the non-US vendor wanted to have an electronic ACH or wire payment. The next additional requirement is if you are a government agency or entity, and that is the same as if you, if the vendor was US, and that was, that is checking the vendor legal name against the system for award management or SAM. And the reason you want to validate is governments are prohibited from awarding contracts to contractor entities that are on that exclusion list. You can search by name using the vendor legal name that was on the IRS W-8 and that is a free search on SAM.gov. I talked about it earlier, but I want to point out again that if you are a government and your vendor is a Canadian vendor, you want to make sure you capture the business number and you validate it at, on the Canada Revenue Agency website. Okay, the last one is additional requirements if you are a healthcare organization. And again, it is the same as it was for US vendors. You wanna verify that the vendor legal name is not on the exclusion list of the Office of Inspector General or OIG. And the reason you wanna validate is OIG has the authority to exclude individuals and entities from federally funded healthcare programs. You search by name using the vendor legal name on the IRS W-8. It is a free search through the Office of Inspector General website. Okay, so we're done. We have completed the additional requirements for validations to set up a non-US foreign vendor. We talked about if a vendor wanted the payment method of ACH and wire, how you needed to validate either the IBAN or the BIC or SWIFT code depending on the country. And we talked about validating the bank name on the OFAC uh, list to make sure that they did not appear on the specially designated nationals list. We then talked about if you were a government entity or agency, how you needed to validate them on SAM. And then if uh, you were a healthcare organization, how you Um, needed to make sure that they were not on the exclusion list of the Office of Inspector General. 
So not too bad, but as normal, review these recommendations with your leadership and or your auditing team and adjust it based on your accounting system, ERP, or third-party systems for your company processes and your industry. And for non-US vendors, this could also include verifications for insurance certificates, just like it does for US vendors, but it could also include anti-bribery or due diligence efforts, um, again, because they are non-US vendors. And if you are lucky enough to have a vendor self-registration portal, which I think the last survey I saw um, was 24 percent of respondents had vendor self-registration portals. Make sure you review and you can always supplement additional validations as needed. And as I talked about during the episode, if you want a handy cheat sheet that includes the links to the validation resources, sign up for my mailing list. I will include a link in the show notes. That way you can download the vendor validation reference list and you can share it with your entire team. Um, or you can have individual team members come and sign up. It's, it's up to you. You can share it with your entire team. Um, understand though that all subscribers are entered into a monthly drawing to win a pudding, the AP and happy coffee mug. And I actually do that drawing on the first of every month. And I think it's happened on, I started it in February. So it's, it's been on a Friday, but uh, I do do it on the first of uh, every month. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 23rd episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for a link to download your own vendor validation reference list with links to all the resources we talked about on today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Mm-hmm.